Golgo 13, Top Secret Episode. Only you can help him save the world. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. And you see, Sean, that's exactly what I was talking about last week with the back of the box, is that they usually sound so much more dire, okay? Only you can help him save the world is a lot better than it's only a video game. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. And also, uh, the the title, Golgo 13, is how most people know this game, but it does have the subtitle Top Secret Episode, and for some reason to <laughs> me, that just screams like DLC. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I it took me a while just to get it through my head what this IP is supposed to be. Like, I know that this is based on something, but there really isn't a lot of information about what it was. Yeah, so it's it's based on the popular manga in Japan. I, I'm I'm quite certain, definitely in 1988, but probably even now, still, not many people knew what Golgo 13 was, and so it's even weirder that they chose to like cover this whole thing under the you know popular manga thing when it, no one knew what it was. But Golgo 13, uh, he's actually known as like Duke Togo or something like that, and he's an assassin who. His objective is to destroy the leader of the Drek group. Uh, I don't know what the Drek group is. I don't know if they're like supposed to be Russians or just like bad people in general. Yeah, they're like the Spectre. And Golgo 13 is like the 007, right? Yeah, well, I think they, they, it looks like they changed him from an assassin to being a spy in this, right? Like it was like he's a hitman in the manga, right? Right. And now he's a spy here because it's like the one thing they wanted to change to make it more family friendly. Oh, yeah. Because they still left a lot of other things in. <laughs> and I heard that Golgo 13 is actually like a reference to the death of Jesus. Yeah. I, when you told me... So, okay, we had like a group chat going and I asked, what's the game this week? And uh, Mike texts me, Golgotha 13. So, I look that up and I see nothing about a video game. I just see a bunch of like Bible study things and I was totally thrown through a loop. I had to look it up in a separate way. (laughs) And I didn't even realize I texted you that. That's just me feeling guilty about like the weight of this video game on our shoulders. The game is weird to describe to give like an overview of, right? We've never quite had anything that tackled so many different genres and also tried to be like cinematic and plot driven all at once does anybody want to take a stab at like explaining this game can i i'll I'll give it a go and i'm sure it'll we'll need other people to jump in because it's there's a lot going on here and i think that sure the the biggest thing about this game is that it's very ambitious so be, yeah. without even talking about the the plot at first there are just like there are like seven different like styles of gameplay in here um but, you know, as far as the plot, you're playing as as this assassin and you're actually walking through a side scrolling level, going into buildings and like getting recon, getting information from people about where to go next and who to find. And, and you know, it's giving you like a very cohesive story to play through. And then it uses these different, you know, it uses like a shmup style and a uh on rail shooter style as like little uh like at the apparatus for telling the next part of the story 
uh, if that makes any sense. Like, it'll say, get to the helicopter to do this, and you then suddenly you're in a shmup level. Yeah. So I don't know how cohesive it actually is because the story itself seems to be uh, like if you just if you were watching a movie, but you just watched like three random scenes like throughout (laughs) it, um, there seems to be a bacteriological uh, weapon um, that you have to that that has something to do with you. Um, and it sort of sounds like Cassandra G is like a T virus sort of thing. Um, but then it just drops you into Berlin, upper, up, yeah, Berlin for no reason aside from the fact that, you know, this whole thing happened in New York. I don't really know what's going on, but it, it's got, yeah. So, sorry, what I gathered from that, that beginning, the helicopter blowing up and the girl saying that, the girl telling you what happened was that it was blown up and, and, what is it? The CIA? That's the, that they're calling him. The, the CIA and the KGB. Yeah, it's the CIA thinks that the only person in the world who would have the accuracy to snipe out the pilot in this helicopter or something is you. Yeah. So you're trying to like clear your name. I, I think beyond all the little all the little details in this game, it it's doing its best to cover all the bases of a Cold War thriller. Yeah, I could I could see that, and I and to be honest, like. I, I admire the ambition in it. I really do. I, I I I want this to. I want other games to like take this and improve upon it greatly, <laughs> but like take this formula a little bit. Yeah, because I mean, if we're just going even off of the the intro before you ever even start playing or anything like that, I think it's one of the strongest intros we've ever had for an NES game, let alone like anything before 3D graphics. Like it's very. Um, you know, even mm. that helicopter blowing up at the Statue of Liberty is so interesting and, like, makes you wonder, like, what happened and stuff like that. So I don't know. I think that the intro to that other uh, globe-trotting shooty gun game uh, was pretty good, too. I think Oh, that Freedom was, Force you're talking yeah. about, right? Uh, yeah. Was it Freedom Force? Yeah. Freedom Force was with the Zapper, though. Um, but, yeah, it had a great intro. But yeah. I don't know. This one feels very cinematic, and uh, even the game throughout has, like cut scenes as you you know with dialogue boxes and everything like that so i feel like it's i feel like it's got a lot of parts and on paper this sounds like an incredible game i think i think i think the longer you play this game the easier it like plays all of its cards to you and you kind of realize like oh this sounds awesome but doesn't play awesome uh but i think that that start even with that cool like bullet shot at the beginning uh and then the golgo 13 like title screen with him with the flashes i thought that was really stylish yeah it's all it's all got a a, a cool look to it yeah even that that i think this might be what we're talking about mike but that close-up of his eyes and then you see like i, I don't know if you see like the barrel of the sniper or the barrel right, that's exactly. <laughs> the scope of the sniper rifle go over his eye that's exactly it like, looks really about. anime to me you know it looks like it's right straight out of an anime Going off of like just the the stylish touches, uh, I also did appreciate. Uh, it took me a while to recognize what they were trying to to get across, but in like the first uh, in the first like cutscene, I guess you're in an airport and you just hear these weird like whooshing sounds, and I'm like, oh wait, they're trying to make it sound like airplanes are taking off in the background. And I just thought like that that's a cool that's a cool thing to just try out. Yeah, it's more like waves crashing in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like it's so disturbing and and like uh, overbearing at times. And and I'm not sure if it was quite something that just happened at the airport. I felt like I saw it pop up later again when you're in um, Greece. 
But maybe that was also during the airport, and I just forget because you kind of go to the airport all over the place, no matter yeah, where you travel to. Uh, but yeah, I think even the sprite work in general for for the cutscenes was uh, was more than I anticipated the NES being able to handle because you can only put so many different types of like color palettes and designs on screen at once, and it didn't feel like anything was empty or barren during the cutscenes. Uh, it even prompts the players for the next dialogue box and stuff like that. So there was no yeah. auto scroll or anything. There's, it was, uh, was kind of neat. Animated, animated uh, mouth movements, um, and uh, I, I, I also like the touch where like um, you have to <laughs> you have to choose to look behind you <laughs> in order to talk to somebody. Everybody <laughs> just pops up behind you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that was just like a, a a way to give you a reason to like show their little like five frames of animation, which yeah. looked pretty nice on the NES of your character turning around. <laughs> uh, but it was like, oh, we got to make sure we put that in there. So like every time you have to like start facing the camera <laughs> and then choose to turn around to talk to the person. I think the the only strange choice in terms of like style is when you switch between different types of levels. Because that's just white text on black, and it just feels like a like a miss, you know. Like they could have added so even Act Two or Act Three, whenever it says that, it's just the text, and it feels like it could have been a chance for like a big reveal of the next location or like fancy sprite work of a helicopter. Like we could have had things there. Yeah, yeah, for, or, yeah even like in the same style that they have that he's in the hotel looking around, you can have him like submerging in scuba gear underwater for like a, a couple of frames or something it, assuming that there's room to do that in this game but there's also that cutscene in the hotel though at like somewhere in act two that totally implies that he had sex with that woman yeah i figured we would get to that um but yeah it seems like a couple of things have gotten past the radar here um they there's even, some blood yeah they even um what like okay so you you meet up with your contact or whoever it is. Maybe it's Cherry, um, one of the few named characters in the game. And um, uh, she's like, oh, I'm so happy you're here. And then it cuts to being outside of the building. And then you see a few pixels that are assumed to be uh, <laughs> you two uh, sort of come together. And then the window darkens. And then your life points go up very slowly <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then it's the next day so it's pretty obvious what happened there yeah i i do think it's funny too that like oh man like look at this like this dirty imagery and it's like three pixels and three <laughs> pixels like moving towards each other <laughs> but it's just like you're like oh i know what's going on here and i thought i did know what was going on you know i didn't think it was that bad the, the sprite work uh you know i granted like that the, they chose to make the scope of the hotel gigantic but like i could tell that those were two people no i i'm not saying that you couldn't tell i'm just saying it was funny that like oh this is like the dirty part it's raunchy. and it's just like right. it's literally just like this it is just like you can Six tell they're supposed to be humans raunchy but it's just like pixels. these tiniest pixels
All right, so I, moving away from the style, though, for a minute, I have to talk about my own experience of being so jazzed about this game from the start, and then immediately upon, like, starting gameplay, this is this is a very jank game, and I was not impressed at all from the moment I started playing. I, I don't know if you guys felt the same. No, I but... agree. The, um, the horizontal action part of the game, uh, which is basically just a basic side-scrolling shooter slash beat-em-up um, is it, it goes back to all the old mistakes that these games were making with uh, with weird jump mechanics and funky hitboxes and uh, basically like you can't you can't choose where you shoot so all these guys in like are, are pretty much invulnerable to you unless you get them at like the exact moment that you need to and it's just it's just not a fun experience yeah the, the weirdest thing to me is that the dis- weirdest decision to me is that you can duck yeah i don't know what you had ever used the duck for because while you're ducking you can't shoot and then to go along with that almost all of your enemies duck or are too short to shoot yeah. <laughs> unless you're ducking so you just can't shoot half of them until they jump or stand up which is like most of the side scrolling levels and for yeah. a game that grounds itself in some some form of realism, referencing the CIA and the KGB and like these detailed cutscenes, these these side-scrolling action levels feel very bare bones. I mean, there's only ever one enemy at a time for the most part. When when they crouch, they're completely untouchable. So you need to do this uh, leap in the air that is just unbelievably like <laughs> that guy could dunk on any basketball net. The how high he jumps. <laughs> And you have to perfectly dodge like all three of those bullets with time jumps that you have no control over. And then maybe if they get back up, you can shoot them in the face and they die immediately. But there's other than that, like, and keep in mind, that's one enemy at a time. There's very little interaction with anything else that's going on in these stages. I mean, the guy, you meet up with some guys who give you clues and those clues are the, the, the clue givers are identical to the look of the bad guys. So how would you know? You have yeah. to shoot them and then find out, like, oh, wait, that was a clue giver. The only reward of these level layouts is because these levels are so long, when you actually travel to a new country, it just feels nice to see some new scenery. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that uh, the designs of the levels, like, wow, you do see a lot of Berlin and then a lot of Greece. Um, they, they are nice, like, in a vacuum. Like if I if I weren't exposed to them for so long at a time, I think that it's a pretty good. These are pretty good graphics all around. Yeah, I I, I think the yeah the the whole game looks pretty good for the for the most part. And and I just want to go back to what you were say, saying, Mike, about the you know the like lack of enemies on this screen and everything. I think for the side scrolling stages, I would have been okay with it being like a slower thing because it's a spy thing and like just. Uh, you know about testing your reflexes against like the first person you see etc if first of all you could control where you're shooting so you could actually hit these people and the the other thing that it would have made i think the side scrolling game side part better is the fact that you in in the game you can you're going into these buildings and finding new clues which i thought was kind of cool except for the fact that there's absolutely no indication on which buildings you can go into and which you can't so you have to completely guess where there are paths that you can go into. And there's like, there's nothing. It could be any step you're on. You might, you can try hitting up well, to see if you can go into that building. I mean, like, there are some, there are some markers. Like every, there are, 
every underground station that you pass, you can go into that. The, and then there are a couple buildings that you can walk into. And yeah, like you, you right. are sort the, of the underground hunting for a while. But the underground you, stations are the only ones that are like consistent, though. There are some buildings that look the same as other buildings you can go in that sure, you can't go in. But these, this is like a, a play space that you're going to be in for a while and you will eventually learn it. Like I, I knew which building was the Green Mansion after <laughs> trying several others and failing. So, I mean, I'm not saying that that, that, right. that gives this game a pass. I don't think that's correct, but. Right. And, and I, and I might be misremembering, but I think there was at least one time where there was one that just looked like every other completely random building that, it, that I happened to hit up on it and I happened to go inside it. And I was like, well, that's never been the case for any of these other buildings that look like this, which there are a lot of. Yeah. So that was a little bothering, uh, bothersome to me. Yeah, and just describe these level layouts a little bit. They're kind of like um, where in the world is Carmen San Diego, where you know when you first go to these new areas, you you have like a lot to explore. But as Sean said, you become acquainted with it. So I, I definitely understand what you mean when like it's rewarding when a clue says go to the Green Mansion and you know where that is. Like that's kind of that's cool level processing. But at yeah. the same time. I think what Joe was getting at was that the first thing you're ever introduced to in this game is the idea of going down into those subways. And those felt very clear as like, oh, every time I come across one of those, I could probably go in those. Like they were inviting, whereas some of these other places that you have to go to don't necessarily read. It, it was a problem in um, Rambo. Remember, that was like a thing where like you wouldn't know. Yeah. But this isn't as bad as Rambo. No, this in that is nowhere regard. near as bad as Rambo. I do see that it is an issue in uh, uh, communicating clearly to the player. Um, but yeah, it's nowhere near as bad as it has been before. And right. and what's going on with those motorcycle enemies? <laughs> like, what the heck is that about? They're yeah, just, a little out of place, I guess. You ever heard of the motorcycle gangs of Berlin and Athens? <laughs> <laughs> that look exactly the same? Yeah. I just don't get that. It's like, you know, for the I could understand like the slow pace of the one-on-one gun duel that you're having and stuff like that. But then to just have these guys on motorcycles who just outright try to run you over just feels like uh, you're in the wrong game, buddy. But the, the some of the clue givers will also just not give you clues and just tell you how unwelcome you are there. So, I think that that might be because of the the gangs. Yeah, but that's just, you know, Russian culture. They're just, they want you to know that you're not I mean, welcome there. And we're not, in, you're not in Russia. For, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I was, I said Berlin. So I, I was thinking Russia for a minute. I'm thinking of the KGB part. Berlin is in Germany. No, I know. I, that's what oh, I'm saying. Okay. I'm okay. saying that I was mixing the KGB with Berlin. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay, cool. So we can move on to the FPS portion here. Because uh, I don't even know if that's the right way to describe it per se, but it felt like this would have been the perfect zapper companion, if that helps picture it for anybody at home. It really does look like uh, your gun is drawn out and you have the crosshairs and then you have to like take down, uh, depending on the level, helicopters, tanks, fighter jets. Um, I thought this was all uh, cool, except for that it's tough to use that D-pad to lock onto enemy helicopters and other objects because they come by kind of in and out of the screen in this weird depth way where they yeah. try to like, you know, they get smaller and then they come up big and then they go small. But it happens so quickly that if you're not like prepared for where they might be, you're going to have to take some time to track them down. Uh, so that, that those are my beefs with this section. Yeah, so there are two uh, different 
modes in this game that could be sort of described as the first person shooter mode, but he's talking about the pan and zoom mode. And as Joe described earlier, it's, it's, it's sort of closer to a, to an on rail shooter. Um, but you get to control where you're looking. Um, and I don't know if, uh, if Joe has any more to say on that. No, yeah, I was just going to say, it's it's almost kind of like you are looking through the eyes of your character now, and you're just standing on the spot, going left and right, like, in 360, like, degrees, and then finding, like, where the the enemies are in your peripherals. And it is kind of frustrating because you will get hit by things that are not on the screen. Yeah, I noticed that it's particularly with the enemies on the ground. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I, maybe it was just the way I was noticing it, but I, I definitely felt like... I had to get the enemies on the ground first because they're going to shoot me no matter where I'm looking. But I don't remember ever getting shot after I killed all the enemies on the ground by something I wasn't looking at. I, I will say, though, that at least this feels a bit more fair than the side-scrolling parts. Like, you, if you do hit them, you hit them. And there's no uh, hitboxing uh, that that makes it so that they can just crouch and then you miss. Yeah, this this section grew on me a little bit. At first, I I, I wasn't crazy about it because it was a little annoying to use that D-pad to control the cursor. But once I kind of got used to it, it, it was actually a nice way... Because whenever you hit anything in, in the game in general, but particularly in these levels, you gain quite a bit of health. Yeah. Um, Like in, in the side-scrolling, you might gain like 10 health. But in these levels, you gain like 80 health for everyone you, you hit. So it was really just like an e a good way to kind of boost your health back yeah, up to the max, which is 200. These sections also start very strange. It it, it almost feels like you've died uh, yeah. when, when you're introduced to them. It, there's like this flash of red that comes across the screen. I think sometimes even a bullet pops up or something like that. I can't like remember a, a what the hand visual pops up cue. from like It's like the cameraman's hand pops up. And he shoots <laughs> and like you. has a gun in it. Yeah. He shoots yeah, Got And that it. triggers it. Yeah, okay. And there's nothing you can do about it. I it will happen when it's going to happen. It's like simulating an ambush, but you, it happens so often. <laughs> yeah. And if you go back to a spot that it happened to you before, it'll happen again at that same... And you, and you do have to backtrack a little bit, so that can get a little annoying where you're like, I kind of already did this, and I'm going to walk... You know as soon as I walk on that pixel, mm -hmm. it's going to happen again. Are there any other thoughts on this... Uh this what I would have considered a great chance for the zapper to make an appearance in this game. If we move on, then it seems like uh, the best thing to talk about next would be the thing that follows afterwards, which is this shmup section of the game. And uh, I, it's kind of weird to call it that because you're mostly dealing with, like, one enemy at a time. 
Like, it definitely gives you enough time from when an enemy appears on screen so that you don't have to fight others at once. But when enemies do come on, some of them, like the fighter jets, are are so lightning fast that for the most part, it's hard to tackle them uh, as they come on the screen. And they're most likely going to hit you with their spread. I thought that was weird that not only are they fast, but they have this large spread of like they can shoot six bullets at once. Uh, And then there's also weird choices, too, of having certain enemies that aren't necessarily like things that we would find in our world. There was that thing with like the glowing orbs around it. And I thought that was a strange choice. Yeah. (laughs) um, So yeah, these, uh, these segments are are sort of like the, the bookends or like the interstitial moments between, uh, between chapters or like you're going from one place to another. And so they just switch up the gameplay style again. Um, But while you're in there, uh, I think that, like, as opposed to a lot of the shmups that we've played, uh, because it's so bare bones, as you said, like, you're you're way more focused on just dodging than you are trying to take anybody down because you move so slowly at that all you can really do is just make sure you don't get hit. And do you feel like uh, Golgo13, he's trying to prove something here by doing this all in a helicopter to, because he's being accused of shooting down that other helicopter. He's like, he's like, no, I would fly one any day. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to prove that he's pro helicopter. It just, it just seems like it's a poor decision on his part. Those things just blew up over by the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> there was a, there was a, a good point. Worldwide grounding of helicopters and he needed to prove <laughs> that it wasn't him. You're also, um, I don't know, I can't say for certain uh, whether this happens at the other ones, but at the end of the first time that you do the the shmup level, uh, you're given a choice to like either approach or uh, what they've defined as close up or snipe the enemy. And I I think that that's pretty cool that, I mean, I only chose to snipe. Wait, uh, that was a choice? I thought those were just controls for when you sniped. Oh, okay. I guess I was just pressing along. and, and making it work because it does have the cursor go down. Yeah. So wow. Okay. Yeah. I guess I was doing it the same way as the game. I felt like I was in control. <laughs> yeah. Another another moment of of cli- no, no no you're controlling it like you you control the uh, uh, the scope and then you have to pixel hunt for the the shooter. Right. Right. So you're saying that approach and close up don't do anything other than snipe. I th- uh, so I, I think what it was was like you find like the window or wherever the the shooter is, right. and, and then zoom. when you when you when you zoom, it just you're just locked in on on the the head of the target, and then you press the you other. Can't, you can't miss. You yeah. can't move any direction. You you he will just hit his target as soon. as Understood. You press the okay, button. got it, got it. Yeah, so that's just ta- yeah. A bad bad clarity on the game's part again. Um, but yeah, that's like another hidden mode, like snipe mode, like. That's yeah, and described. I thought that felt really cool. Yeah, it, it felt it, it was another it, another weird thing that we haven't seen before. So I I appreciate those whenever we see them, no matter how poorly they're executed. <laughs> and and then next we have the scuba section of the game. Uh, something I wasn't expecting at all. I honestly did not think that they would, could add anything else. And uh, <laughs> this is definitely a lot better. That, or more interesting, I should say, than anything else that uh, I was dealing with so far in the game. Because there's multiple enemies, there's different layouts of the ocean floor, there's 
these caves to explore. Like you wouldn't think that you can go down into those pits. They look like bottomless pits that you would die if you fell into, but then they expose like a whole nother section of the underwater level that you have to go through those in order to find the secret bases. <laughs> but I, it kind I love of, that. I love that you call it the ocean floor though, because this is just like, like some river flowing through <laughs> Berlin that has sharks in it. I kind of, I kind of love that. It just it seems like because there's nothing else around, like there's no there's nothing above you, so it seems like you're in the ocean rather than like in some river. Oh, for sure. You know, but like yeah, every every visual cue that they're giving you is telling you ocean. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but like it's it's just like that river would probably only be however however deep. I don't know. It's just another cute thing. And it feels like you're going nowhere, so it is kind of easy to get lost if you're tracking around in here. You know, if you're just kind of like shooting down enemies as they come and going in a certain direction, it is possible to go in a circle or uh, in the wrong direction and think you're heading in the right direction. I can't tell if I like that or not. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's really this game needs a a component where you also need to start mapping on graph paper. But sure enough, that's coming up soon. So, yeah. what were your guys' <laughs> thoughts on the scuba level? I thought it was. I thought it was also like pretty good considering everything. I think it, it kind of is the same. I, I the same way I feel about all of the other levels. Where I, I guess overall, I feel like this game is kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. Like it was. It was a fine underwater level. It, it didn't. It, as if it was a standalone underwater game, it would be. It would be very lacking. Yeah, I mean, I just appreciate that it, that its design was a bit more dense than the rest of the modes. Um, but it's so short and it it's not like it did dense in terms of like enemy, enemy and mine placement and, uh, like how the, the backgrounds look, but, uh, it's still a very simple thing and I wouldn't want to play more scuba. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, I did like also that they, they brought back the, um, the little uh, on-rail shooter section. Like, you can just be oh, yeah, swimming yeah. along and there's a little explosion and suddenly now you're in, like, an underwater on-rails thing shooting at, <laughs> like, what are these, like, submarines and scuba divers instead of helicopters and... I believe the term for them is the Frogmen Corps. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The, okay, of course. Just so you know. Are the Frogmen right, right. part of the Drek army? Uh, yeah, they appear from the rear firing underwater spear guns. Got it. Okay. You know, I would say, though, um, as we're working through all these modes, it's really cool that all these things are popping up. But also, like, thematically, it's pretty impressive, the idea that you went from, like, doing some investigative research in Berlin to then, like, okay, cool, uh, I get involved in a shootout with some helicopters to then finding out what you have to do next, meeting up with a girl in a hotel room, <laughs> then boarding a helicopter and uh, and taking down enemy fighter jets and stuff like that, sniping a guy, going underwater to scuba dive to find a secret base. Like, it's all cool stuff. It just sucks that it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Although, yeah, I, I agree, though. It, it feels like it's like a James Bond movie. Like, you're going to all these different, like, action set pieces, quote unquote. It's like Uncharted. <laughs> but you go to all these little different, like, action set pieces and you and you play in different styles. And, you know, it's just it feels like you're on, like, this long mission that's like an actual, like, uh, evolving mission. That's not just like the same yeah, because, thing over and over yeah, again. Yeah, because James Bond... Or I'm sorry, Duke Togo, I'm sure in the manga, 
doesn't just shoot guys. He's also a womanizer, and he's also a professional helicopter pilot, and he's also a really good, good like maze. Uh, he's really good at mazes. Well, I don't know if any <laughs> if anything in this showed that he was really good at mazes, but well, you're just playing. It at wrong, least not Benzo. the way I played it. <laughs> I was playing for like a like a more a little more bad at mazes uh, play style, you know. Yeah, for sure. That's like the character I was going with. the The next thing that happens after you get to the base, though, uh, is is the maze section of the game, uh, which is first person, which is what Sean was alluding to as the second uh, first person part of this game. But uh, like, what? The, where the heck did this come from? And did anybody else like imagine like? that this was going to happen when they entered the base. I was expecting what, what also happens when you're in the bases, which is the side-scrolling part. But then when I switched to this first-person thing that was kind of like um, Goonies 2-esque, where you <laughs> have to, like, you know, you know, thankfully you don't have to select, like, moving forward and stuff like that for each thing, or just, like, I guess you do have to randomly yeah. do stuff, though. Like, who thought about the grenades to blow up the walls? I had to watch a video yeah. for that. Yeah, no, it, it took I, me some I time. just pressed the button and it worked, like, yeah. just by accident, but... But I will say, initially seeing this, like the, the actual first person element of it was pretty well executed for an NES this, game. This like, reminds me of uh, like either I forgot if it was Doom or if it was Wolfenstein for the TI eighty uh, four. Just in in terms of how you navigate, uh, it it because it's so simple uh, looking. But I mean, I what what I what I meant to say is I kind of wish that for this game I did not read the manual because I wanted to be surprised by this, but I already <laughs> knew it was coming. And they even have the 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 whole map for the maze uh, like written out for you at the back of the manual. So that was it was just unfortunate, uh, my experience. No, I didn't read the manual, so I actually wasn't using the map. Oh, I wasn't even the think that there either, would be but... one in there. Okay, because yeah. because because as much as I thought this was a cool idea to do, and even though it is like yeah, the gameplay maybe they could have like told you a few things on like what to do and like how to shoot or how to throw your grenades or everything, but uh, this was like I don't know if they needed to make this quite as complex of a maze with no landmarks or, or anything because <laughs> <laughs> it was like there are like two levels and it, it took me forever to get out of this thing. And I guess like it needed a it needed a bit of a bigger payoff or change of scenery for like resolution of these things because you keep going through them uh, and for the most part you're just greeted by the same kind of like grunt who you have to shoot and knock out or blow up a wall that you hope ha- has a hole in it so where you can <laughs> go through to the next part like there there's nothing in, in terms of set design I think Sean your TI eighty four example is spot on because they didn't do anything to make like even you know, and this would have looked stupid in the game, but the walls, in my opinion, should have been somewhat different colored in a way that would help you like, okay, cool. I, I did see this part before. I've seen that color. So I don't want to go back <laughs> this way. Like it needed that in in certain respects because this isn't... I think you're right. Yeah. This isn't fun to, to traverse because if, if you thought the... Uh, if you thought it was easy to get lost in the scuba section, I pity anybody who got lost there because in, in this maze part... Yeah, you're just yeah, you're just walking around and you're like, all right, I I guess this is where I'm going and then you say, "Oh no, actually this was just a dead end. I need to go all the way back." Where is back? <laughs> <laughs> I I found the hardest part is sometimes when I step forward 
you know, a, an extra step that I didn't want to do, I would just press the back button. But then I wasn't sure, did that turn me around or did I just step backwards? Oh, that turned and you around. And at that point, I'm like, I'm completely confused. Same, yeah, I had the same problem where, like, if, if, if as soon as you do that, you're completely disoriented because there is no forward. There, I, I, right. And you didn't remember what that stuff looked like behind you anyway. No. You don't have, like, you know, it's right. not visually distinctive enough. So even when you turn around, it's like, yeah, it's good to know you're you're backwards now but like you don't re- you don't notice that as you turn yeah. around I, I i just stopped pressing the down button altogether and if i had to turn around i would like turn all the way i would do like a long wide turn all the way around so i could keep everything in perspective as i was turning and that sounds ridiculous but like that's the only way i could like keep my bearings so did anybody actually make it through this first maze i'm just checking oh there's yeah. no shame I made it through, but like not by any of my own volition. I just I just stumbled through, yeah. like and, and finally made it out. Yeah, I just I, sort of I, randomly did it. I think it's cool because I I didn't uh, I made it through, but I totally used a guide. I wasn't I was I didn't have the patience or fortitude to uh, make it through this in a way that was going to be enjoyable for me. Like it just seemed like. For me, this wasn't what I was... I was already not loving the game, and for this to come up, it was like, well, if I want to see what happens next, I'm going to need some help. So this is where I turned to help. Fun and fact, I imagine this I, is I where also, a lot of people called the Nintendo hotline on Nintendo <laughs> Power. They Probably a lot of people called in and asked for help. And then what would you do if you were on the hotline? How do you describe to somebody where to go next? Up, left, down, yeah, I know, left, right. left, down. <laughs> but, but fun fact, guys... Uh, Mike didn't have the patience or fortitude. Uh, patience and fortitude are the names of the lions outside the New York Public Library. And you can know that fortitude is the one over on 42nd Street because of Because we 42. both read the same Reddit post. Because we are the same person. <laughs> That's true. I'm still not convinced that you're not. <laughs> Sean and I look um, alike and Joe and I sound alike. So we're all just kind of right. in hell together. <laughs> Uh, um, I got one last one last question for you guys on these ma- on these mazes. Is do you think it would have been like a little more fun if if it just said, if it just gave you the information the exit is on the northern wall or the southern wall or something? So at least you had that, and then I feel like it would be a little more puzzly. You'd be like, okay, how can I get to the southern wall when there's this blocking me here and that blocking me there? Here it was just like I don't even know. I don't even have a clue where to start looking for the exit. I I think that that is a half measure. Uh, just because, like, it, it implies that that's going to make it more fun. And I don't think that just having that extra little bit of information makes this game more fun. I, I think I think it would make it more fun. It probably wouldn't make it the most fun it could be. I mean, it definitely wouldn't make it, like, great. But yeah. I think I would have, like, enjoyed a little more trying to figure it out if I was, like, if I had any idea even what I was looking for. Granted, I, I guess I could have just looked in the manual and then I would have had... Uh, the map but <laughs> see what For you sure. really needed here was a uh, a chance to sneak up on the grunts inside the maze and instead of killing them you could be presented with the choice of also just kind of interrogating them and then they could give you a piece of information similar to the clues you get in the side scrolling stages So basically, I think we've covered all of like the basic uh, uh, modes of this game 
And then I just got to Greece and was told to go to a theater. And I thought I got to the theater and then nothing happened. Uh, how far did you guys get in this game? I, I got just past that part in Greece. I, th- I think I'm trying to remember. I got to another maze and then I was like, okay. Oh, so you I'm got done. to another maze. Okay. <laughs> There's a second maze Sh- Sean, like, here's shortly the- after the first maze. Sean, oh. here's the thing about your um, about what you did in Greece that you did wrong. Okay, because Act Four is actually where the game goes camp on you completely and gets really silly. Oh, that's because, when it goes camp. Yeah, that's when it goes camp because <laughs> you have to you have to kill every single person that is every single enemy that's available to you before you get to the theater. Because then there's a cutscene that activates telling you that you've killed everyone here, you're a madman. And then when you get to the theater, when you get to the theater, all of a sudden you start killing women now too. There's an armed oh, yeah. girl no, I who saw shows. That. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then there's the several men with the rocket launchers. Did you do that? For sure. Okay. So that's what you needed to do. And you know it's the theater because it forces you to know these things. They, every time you walk by, they pop up. So you have like, you know, it, if you walk past the remains of Poseidon, you could be in the middle of an enemy could be like drop kicking you in the middle of this thing, and it just pops up text where it's everybody like, else up, freezes. This hold is up. the remains of Poseidon, <laughs> right? And I just I don't know what what happened here, but um, this is about where I decided like, oh, I've seen everything, I'm good. <laughs> I think that's exactly what happened. I think it was just because like. It, it gave me the text box like you are at the theater of Dionysus and somebody told me to come here and nothing's happening. That's when I just turned the game off. And, and Joe, I know you said you lasted a little bit longer, uh, maybe an additional maze or so, but uh, there's several more mazes that you actually have to go to. And, and eventually you make your way to Antarctica. Uh, really? And, yeah. And um, or some kind of snow place, I guess. Uh, I, I assumed it was Antarctica. <laughs> Just it's just polar ice caps everywhere, so it could be the North Pole, I guess. Instead, it's definitely no buildings or anything. Um, and then even after that, you find yourself in like some secret lair, uh, which gets into the end of the game territory, where you find out that um, a giant robot of all things is actually behind oh, everything. Oh, I see. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Yeah. And you have to you have to do a another very long one of those. Uh, what did you call that mode, Sean? The FPS one where you're in like a, a dual shootout. <laughs> pan and so I pan forgot. and zoom, right? Pan and zoom, yeah, yeah. So you're in that pan and zoom style with this giant robot, and you have to shoot out all of its parts. Uh, it doesn't really look like it fights back that much, but some enemies fight back with you. But it seemed like the player I was watching handled it pretty easily. Uh, and then you're just, that's it. You're greeted with the credits. They give fake actor names to everyone. Perfect. <laughs> like, so it has like their real well, name well, and their fake actor name. <laughs> well, I thought it was just their, um, their name in the game. And then like, as person who did this, right? <laughs> like it would oh. be like the name, their character name. It would be like, whatever, uh, ch- cherry, whatever as girl from hotel room. Yeah, but <laughs> like, it, That's what I was seeing. There was one that was like Oz Windham as man from fixer. Right? Yeah, so yeah I was, well, that is right. true. I, 
Oz Winham, I assume, was being the character name, and then Man from Fixer being like he's from Fixer, like the organization or whatever. <laughs> right. But okay, I, I can understand what you're saying. So they're not fake actor names, but it does feel weird to have it be like Tiffany as illegit gunsmith. Right. Because well, there was one that was like, what's what's the guy, Condor, you're looking for? It was like Condor as guy who's dead or something like yeah, that. As like, killed he dies spy, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Killed that was spy. an amazing <laughs> moment, though, when he's. He's in. You, you run into him in uh, like a, a Berlin underground uh, station, and you, he's going to tell you some important information. And then he drops to the to the floor, apparently shot. And then he's like, "Oh, okay, then I won't tell you." <laughs> yeah, he says like he, he gives he's, his his like sentence saying that he's not going to be able to tell you is so much longer than. <laughs> Like, it would take for him to just tell you the information. Yeah. And he's also, like, the funniest-looking character in the game. What? It's funny-looking to have a mustache, Mike? <laughs> oh, am I thinking of someone? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like. of the short, stubby guy. Oh, yeah, his name is, like, his name is something where it's, like, fake big man or something like that? Or? Yeah, I guess that's who I'm thinking of. But anyway, it, it seemed weird because everybody else was about exactly the same height. And then <laughs> yeah. they just drew this, like, short, fat guy. Who constantly like just interrupts your conversations? Poor guy. Uh, yeah. So I mean, that was that's the end of the game. Uh, they also do a special shout out to the children. They say special thanks to the children at the very end of the credits <laughs> and the lost generation. Whoa. Okay. And I and I that's was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. It's just like crazy to the stuff they throw in these games. <laughs> And to all of the works we lost in the Library of Alexandria. Right. You know, at that point, yeah, true. <laughs> like, special thanks to everyone who's ever lived on Earth. Like, <laughs> uh, Joe, I think uh, it's time for your moment in the spotlight, though. There's something uh, you've I, probably been you, dying you to tell us. You predicted it. You predicted it. And it's not so much about the pause sound itself. But it's about the fact that the pause screen takes you to this it, – it, correct me if I'm wrong. It is actually what I was talking about before, the, like, close-up of yeah. of his face, like, in this beautiful anime style. It's, like, a whole diff- – it's, like, not a menu or anything, <laughs> no, though. Joe, I thought it's I just reset like, here's the a game. Picture. <laughs> really? So did I. Yeah. I thought I screwed something up. I love but that. But it's just, it, like – It gives you a different like, caption than what the game actually is. It's, like – Instead of, like, the man with the golden gun, it's, like, Golgo 13. The man with the custom M16. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, Joe, yeah, please that, it was just like No, that was really it. It was just, like, it was just funny to me that it wasn't, like, we've seen either games just completely freeze, fine, or go to another screen that has some information or some menu on it. This was just, like, ah, this is a cool picture. Let's let them look at this while they're paused. So I thought that was a that was a nice addition to the uh, asterisk pause sound list because For it's not sure. really about the sound. But there's also yeah, it's not really a sound. It's it's like a whole music track. Is yeah, dedicated. there is. Oh, that's right. It is a different music. I didn't even think of that though because I was so I was so just surprised by the image. And it doesn't. But it does have, kind of change the music. Yeah, it doesn't have like a very pause feel to it. It's it's very active. It's very energetic music. I was very surprised, and I thought of you right away. Oh, I, I'm glad. I'm glad I've uh, I've had that effect. I always Were think there... of Joe when I pause a game or a movie. 
when you that's pause good. a movie. Yeah, that's true. We don't talk about movie pause menus. Movie pause sounds. Yeah, it's usually just like the stopping of sound. But I, I still right. think of of Joe. Well, there's different ones. There's like the sound when like a VHS pauses yeah. versus the sound when it sounds like it's anything struggling. else pauses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any other surprises in this game that we haven't talked about? It's a little. It's a little not exactly in the game, but just. It sounds like we, the three of us, all got like relatively close to each other with how far we got. Um, and I had played for quite a long time. So then, when I looked up the playthrough online of a person who plays much quicker than I do, who gets through this game a lot quicker than I do, they were only like at the point that I was at, they were only like thirty, not even thirty minutes into an hour and a half playthrough. Wow! Which just shows you how long this game is. And it's worth noting that it's that long without any form of save. Oh, God, yeah. Right. So it's. I think it's like, you know, if we're thinking about the core video gamers in 1987, it's, it's uh, 1988, it's mostly children at that time uh, or teenagers. The and stuff like that. But even, yeah, the, the children that are dedicated to the game. <laughs> but for the most part, I think what that what that means to me is this is forget about like whether they can figure it out or not. It's just games back then were a little different. And so I think this is like we're looking at more for a first playthrough of like a solid five to maybe maximum 10 hours to beat this game. And you have to do it all in one sitting. So I can't imagine any kid really being able to pull that off without like tricking their parents into thinking like, oh, I turned off the game. I'm going to bed. But they just left it on overnight. <laughs> I mean, I did that with Super Smash Brothers Melee. I left it on for 24 hours to unlock Mewtwo. And that's still the stupidest requirement ever to unlock a character. Mike, you know that if you do that, like the 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 government will come and turn off your computer. I'm sorry, will turn off your GameCube. Yeah, it's a bandwidth issue. Yeah. We just don't have that kind a of electricity lying around. Yeah. yeah, we don't have that. <laughs> we, we need access to those resources at all times, especially now more than ever, okay? Exactly. So turn off Please. the lights whenever you're not using them. Okay. All my lights are off what, right what now. What next? What next? Yeah, as I was going to say, we're just, we're just talking. We can all be in the dark. If you've turned off the lights, I feel like you've done your job. Okay. I feel like you've done your part, okay? Now it's up to the corporations to step up. <laughs> we should all be in the dark like our listeners probably are when they listen to us. Yes. Mike. Mike, I have a question for you, Mike. Please. Do you have any information on Vic Tokai? You know, what's interesting about Vic Tokai, I happen to have a little bit of information on them because uh, it is not one man, contrary to popular belief. It's not a guy named Vic. Um they are a Japanese video game developer, but more importantly, they were a telecommunications company. Okay. So they really didn't, they, they just kind of dabbled in video games for a while. And I by dabbled. a while, for a, for a while, I mean like a long ass time too, though. We're talking about all the way up to the Saturn. Uh, they were doing video games. I, I, I feel like it's, I don't want to sell them short here, but if I list off games they've made, they most likely, I would say it's a 100% chance you've never heard of them. Okay, uh, give, give it a shot. Okay, so uh, King Salmon. Oh, yeah, King Salmon. Uh, <laughs> King Salmon was my favorite game about... Um, uh, oh, you're uh, so close. Yeah, about fishing, you know, just, yes, just the act it of was, fishing it was. outside Why did you of look Vancouver it up? Island. Why did you look it up? Well, I wanted to know exactly where, you know? Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, um, but they're, they're, they might still be making, like, mobile games now because they're still um, 
they're still up and running. So they are still a telecommunications company, first and foremost. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they made um, Android and iOS games, but they're not uh, they're not working on any Switch games anytime soon or anything like that. I think they, oh yeah, it looks like they dropped the Vic. So they just wanted to go by Tokay. Uh, yeah, I mean, and we have some games to look forward to from them, including uh, this game called uh, Bump and Jump, which I own. <laughs> I bought it at a garage sale, and I hated it, so I can't wait till we get to that one. Nice. And um, what was another one? Uh, Kid Cool and the Quest for the Seven Wonder Herbs. Like, okay, Wonder Herbs? Like, Sounds like... Herbs, this feels like yeah. we're in like a like a Rick and Morty interdimensional cable episode. <laughs> the whole company bump feels like dump, that. Bump and jump or whatever. And yeah, it's just the whole company feels like that. It feels like you never heard of this one before. I've, give me if I give some names of some other developers that we've only even ever had one game for on this system so far. There's a chance you've heard of them. Uh, you know, like Jalico. I, I heard of Jalico before all this. I hadn't. Okay. Um, Hudson Soft. You've heard of Hudson Soft. Maybe. I I feel like I had, but that also might just be me misremembering because now I've heard of them. Got it. Okay. Now, yeah, now that now that we've covered it. Hudson Soft, everybody knows because they have the mascot with the B in the cartoon drawing. Oh yeah, the B. The B yeah, no, no, seriously, if you if you saw this B, you would know right away that you've seen this on many startup screens. I think Hudson Soft is now owned by Konami, and I think they made the TurboGrafx-16. Let's get uh, talking about spinoffs, because you know there were. Let's hear it. <laughs> Thank you for humoring me. Uh, so obviously, as we already covered here, the Golgo 13 manga uh, came out first. And that was actually way back in like 1968, I think. 68 or wow. 67. So that this is like one of the first mangas it, it, that like would have ever came anywhere else, you know. Uh, but I don't I don't recall anybody talking about this or it being on like... Adult Swim or anything like that. So I feel like it didn't get picked up by Western audiences, at least. So there was uh, an anime as well? There was an anime. Uh, there's two anime films. There's okay. The Professional, uh, Gogo 13 The Professional, which came out in 1983, and Gogo 13 Queen Bee, which came out in 1998 and is clearly about Beyonce. He's trying to take down Beyonce uh, before she becomes too powerful. But yes, there was also an anime that ran uh, in the 80s as well. So uh, that's something you can just find on YouTube if you're at all interested. You can watch probably the whole anime on YouTube. But there were also some live action films that came out, one in 1973 and one in 1977. So if you're, if you're interested in seeing what uh, Duke Togo would look like in, in the flesh... Uh, I think the guy they casted for the 77 oh, it's, one it's is perfect. close. Yeah, yeah he's, he's good. 
I love good that. enough. I love those sideburns. It makes me feel better about mine. Uh, and then it, we have to mention this because uh, it, it, we're going to cover it someday. Uh, Vic Takai made another game that was released on the NES in 1990 known as the, I'm going to pronounce it wrong because I don't know how else you would say it, but the Moffat Conspiracy. And that is actually in Japan. It was just called Golgo 13, the Moffat Conspiracy. So this is the sequel to uh, the game that we played today. Wow. So we will have to play another Golgo 13 game <laughs> on the NES. You know, I I'm can't lo- wait. I'm looking Hopefully into they- some of this uh, Golgo 13 stuff, and it is uh, very 18 plus, I have to say. Yes, uh, there's even, I believe they just like, early on in one of the anime episodes, they just like flash a nipple and <laughs> entire sex scene going on, and you're just like, not prepared for that. <laughs> no, I'm not, especially not on my NES. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My NES. Oh, those, is, is, it, is it three or four pixels of, of two different people? Oh, no, or this is, is uh, uh, more this, detailed. This is full blown <laughs> pencil full on animation. Paper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and we'll talk about this uh, in 2030 when we get up to 1990 on the NES, but uh, <laughs> it is weird that they don't call it Golgo 13, the Moffat Conspiracy. Or even episode two, which is another thing they call it in the Japanese one. I guess this game did not sell that well, and they didn't want to go on the Golgo 13 name. Because if you look at the gameplay for Moffat Conspiracy, you can tell that that's Golgo again. Like, it looks just like it. Well, we we have had some issues recently with sequels not uh, fully disclosing their lineage. That is true. All right. And if no one has anything else, we are going to get into the Essential Games list. Joe, uh, you have to vote. Everybody in America <laughs> has to vote. Um, please tell us your vote for the Essential Games list. I thought this game was pretty cool at first, uh, especially because of how ambitious it was. And it almost feels like it's trying to be something that it, like that the technology is not ready for yet. Like I, 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 I'm thinking of some like, I, I can't think of any specifics, but it almost feels like, like a lot of like PS2 games would have like, Oh, there's the section where you fly the helicopter, and there's a section where you're in like the turret, and it's a little more like those uh, uh, on rail shooters. And then there's the section where you're underwater and things like that. We, we we haven't had too many games that like really change up the gameplay that much, and I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but I think the biggest like uh, thesis statement of how I feel about this is that it is a jack of all trades, master of none. Where I I think that. It does all these things. It's really cool that's trying to fit all them in, but none of them, they're all at best mediocre. And some of them are just, are, are worse than that. Um, and I think that hurts it. But that being said, I think, I think this is a play it just because it's so interesting that it's trying to do all this extra stuff, but definitely not essential. And Sean? Uh, I agree that um, I think that people uh, would be interested in, in at least like taking a look at this game. Uh, but it just yeah, just because of just how random it can be. Um, but as a as a game and as like a story based game, as that's how I would classify it to an extent. Um, I think this does a better job uh, than some of the previous games that we have, especially like even Metal Gear, uh, just because it's a little bit more clear and there's a little bit more of a voice. Um, within the dialogue and you do get a little bit more 
context from the game, uh, but it's still nowhere near where this is supposed to be uh, for it to be an actual, uh, an actual experience, a full experience. Um, that being said, the gameplay from moment to moment isn't that great. It's totally fine for, for the most part, but uh, in, in the one sequence that you play the most, the side-scrolling, it's complete jank, so that just makes the whole game less enjoyable. So it's it's totally not essential, but it's definitely a, a fun curiosity. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we all have that uh, general idea of like, if you told me this game on the back of the box, you could sell it to me. I would have probably bought this in like 1988. You know, if I, if I, if the back of the box told me it had all these different things going on, I would think, wow, this is like seven games in one. I have to get a hold of this. Uh, one thing that we didn't touch upon too much because it's, it's not really that important in the grand scheme of things, but the dialogue in this game goes a lot further than any NES game we've really had so far. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like the, the weakness of like, Dragon Powers dialogue was just like the weakest translation along with so many different errors too. It was like it was like what am I reading? In this game I didn't really have that problem. Yeah, there was a couple of like misspellings here and there, but I might even make those same misspellings. So I'm not saying like that uh you know the game has to be perfect. I thought it was actually really cool that it had this coherent plot and thematically and aesthetically this game is all there. I think the problem is is I didn't really like any of it. I didn't really enjoy my time with this game at all, even though I kept saying, wow, this is so cool. Um, so I think it's really neat. And I think that's one of the fun things that we get to do uh, as we go through this show is that we get the chance to play games that likely not a large group of people played or will ever play again. And so I'm really glad that hidden things like this can still surprise us on the system. But I cannot say that like, the the populate the mass population of gamers need to go back and see this one. Uh, there's there's a lot of like things that have been placed down for future games to maybe like pick up on, but I feel like future games also just did the same thing and wound up stealing things from movies, like how GoGo Thirteen kind of does it, rather than say, oh well, you know, GoGo Thirteen did. The, I I doubt anybody recognized this game when they were later making um things that would surpass it. I agree. So not essential from us today, uh, but it'll get another shot with the Moffat conspiracy. Maybe that game will clean up every little detail. Uh, but, you know, I, I would say, like, GoGo13 in general, whether you look at the manga or the anime or the live-action film or this video game, it's a mood, right? It definitely has an aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I, I was looking at, like, some of the uh, GIFs for the... Um, for the anime and I was like I could totally see this being like a show you just find at 2am and you're like oh what's this and that's all I have to say about that thank you guys so much for reinforcing my feelings uh, I am Michael Esposito you can find me on <laughs> at Esposito Film on Twitter next week we'll be covering uh, I think it's Jackal is it Jackal is it Jackal? Is it Jackal? <laughs> I knew right away that that's where it was going. And yes, it is. It is Jackal, the uh, Konami classic. So uh, I've never played Jackal before. Have you guys? Never heard of it. I haven't, but I watched the Game Grumps play it. Okay, so you'll have to withdraw <laughs> from the Essential Games list for that vote. Yes, uh, right. I, yeah. I'm biased. You're just going to re or you're just gonna say all of their fun little quips. Yeah, I'll, yeah, both of them. To, it'll be like I'm two people talking to each other. 
Uh, and uh, speaking of nostalgia, a lot of people, uh, we just want to thank you guys for everybody who's throwing out recommendations on Twitter. I saw a lot of people uh, tagging us and saying like, hey, you should listen to NostalgiaCast. They're a cool podcast that plays every NES game in chronological order. It's like, wow, it's sticking. The idea is sticking. Yeah, I appreciate that there was a, a few episodes ago we did suggest to people that they recommend it to people that would specifically not like it. And we have gotten a lot more hate mail. So I, we do appreciate uh, that you are following these uh, recommendations. <laughs> yeah. And in trying times like these, when you can't uh, go outside and tell somebody face to face, you might as well just tell them over the internet. And I think whether that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, what's that app? Kayak, uh, the one Discord. that... Kayak's the one that lets you search for the flights. Uh, tell people on Kayak. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or that they're not using it for anything else right now. Right. TripAdvisor. Yeah, I think now during... Yeah. I think during this time... <laughs> I think this is the time we're going to start really seeing people start becoming vocal on the internet. Web 2.0. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's going to really it's gonna really kick in now. So, again, we'll see you guys next Friday. And um, I hope you had a great April 17th.